Morning, welcome to a taste of Jewish law halacha. Today we will explore the laws of making brachis blessings from the sixth chapter of the abridged code of Jewish law. And because this chapter will contain just so many laws that are very practical, we will divide this over two days. Part one. You know, I was blessed to be brought up in a home where from the youngest of ages we said blessings, blessings before we ate, and blessings during prayer, and blessings before performing a mitzvah. And it's a tremendous gift because when you grow up that way, it's almost hard to eat food without saying a bracha. It's that automatic response when you pick up a food item. And of course, I'm incredibly grateful to my parents for giving me that education. There's no doubt it's a gift. But together with a gift, it also has a downside. And you guessed it. It's very easy for brachas to become robotic or automatic which is exactly the opposite of what they are meant to be, which will be discussed in chapter 6. You know, one of the easy things about praying, when you say brachis, is every bracha begins the same way. So the Shulchan Aruch begins by saying, whenever we begin saying a bracha, even though those first five, six, seven words are all the same, we should not begin the bracha until we know how we're going to end the blessing. Specifically, when we come to God's name, which is going to be the third word of the bracha, by that point, we must know how we're going to conclude it. So, for instance, if you're eating a food item, you are not supposed to say, Baruch HaTashem Malakinu Malacha Olam, and only at that point think about what are the next words to say, how to conclude that blessing, but rather, just like if you were speaking to someone important, you would prepare your remarks in advance, Similarly, before saying a bracha, you should appreciate the magnitude of the moment and first think how you're going to be saying this entire bracha. While saying a bracha, we should not be doing anything else. You know, many times we can be saying something while we're checking our phone, while we're tying our shoes, while we're motioning to someone else. We shouldn't do that. Again, have in mind, you're speaking to Hashem. There should be nothing else going on. He says the words of the bracha should not be said quickly. We should understand to the best of our ability the meaning of our words. If, for example, you're about to eat a food and you're making the correct blessing, realize you are talking to Hashem and appreciating the beautiful world that He created and asking permission to partake in this particular item. You right now are addressing the Creator of the world. He references a very powerful verse from Isaiah that my children are doing the right things, but they're doing it externally, superficially. Their hearts just are not there. They're doing these practices, in the words of Hebrew, as mitzvahs anashi milumada, like something that a person was taught and became accustomed to do, but it is not right now being driven by any kavana, by any intent. And that was a tremendous rebuke of the prophet. Therefore. Having in mind what a blessing is about is absolutely paramount to the entire purpose of the bracha. He gives a bit of advice and he says it's proper to say the bracha out loud because when you do so, it's easier to have in mind the meaning of the blessing. When we make a bracha, we should not have anything else in our mouth. It's not respectful to speak when your mouth is full with something else. One practical example of this is not to make a blessing on food B while food A is still in your mouth. The heart of the blessing is Hashem's name. Third and fourth word of most blessings contain 
two of Hashem's name. And every time we say Hashem's name, it should be with reverence. It should be for a reason. We are not to say Hashem's name in vain. That is exactly the reason why in regular conversations we don't use one of the biblical names for God, but instead just say Hashem, the name. By the way, this does not only apply in Hebrew, we can pray in any language. So writing, saying God's name in another language, if it is one of those proper names, is also not allowed. If it is being said for no reason, one has to be especially careful with this. When one is using negative speech or, God forbid, cursing another not to invoke God's name, as this is an especially severe prohibition in the Torah. I'll finish with some words of Hasidus. It is often asked whether the Jewish perspective on God is a God that is transcendent, beyond creation, above being inside of everything here, higher than the details of every part of this world. Or do we believe in a God that is imminent, that is inside of everything, that is the life force of each and every item independently, in its own way, taking into account the particular needs of that particular item or person? Is it a God that is beyond the world, or is it a God that is directing every part of the world? Of course, the Jewish answer is both. Every time we say Abracha, we say Baruch, and then Ata, Ata means you. We are talking directly to Hashem here in second person. Then we use the name Havashem, the great name we don't even pronounce in Hebrew, the Yud and the He and the Vav and the He, which refers to the way God is transcendent, where this entire world doesn't even occupy 0.001% of Hashem's energy or hard drive. A God that is not bound by any of the laws of nature. But immediately afterwards, we call Hashem Elokeinu, which is a God that is involved in nature, a God that gives life to each and every person and with divine providence directs all affairs of the world, a God that cares about me, little me, personally, like a parent cares for a child. Because in Judaism, the same God that is transcendent is also inside of all of us, a personal God that loves us, listens to our prayers, and cares about the actions that we do. Welcome to the <laughs> Tech